Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Florida Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It's also made possible in part by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and by the Brevard County Board of Commissioners through the Brevard Cultural Alliance, Incorporated. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. I'm Ben Broatmarkle, and coming up on this week's program, artist Jackson Walker has been recording Florida history with oil paintings for more than 20 years. I have two or three things going all the time, you know, so, uh, but uh, primarily, I probably will, if I'm known at all, it will be best for the legendary Florida collection. Swamp cabbage, which some restaurants call Heart of Palm, is a Florida cracker favorite. You gotta cook it right. You gotta put just the right bacon. We'll travel the Florida Jewish Heritage Trail, all that ahead on Florida Frontiers. The great fundamental issue now before our people can be stated briefly. It is, are the American people fit to govern themselves, to rule themselves, to control themselves? I believe they are. My opponents do not. I believe in the right of the people to rule. I believe that the majority of the plain people of the United States will day in and day out make fewer mistakes in governing themselves than any smaller class or body of men, no matter what their training, will make in trying to govern. I believe again that the American people are as a whole capable of self-control and of learning by their mistakes. Our opponents pay lip loyalty to this doctrine, but they show their real belief by the way in which they champion every device to make the nominal rule of the people a sham. That's former President Theodore Roosevelt delivering a talk called The Right of the People to Rule on March 20, 1912 in Carnegie Hall. Roosevelt was the 26th President of the United States from 1901 to 1909. Several years before that, as a member of the 1st United States Cavalry, also known as the Rough Riders, Roosevelt and his regiment camped in Tampa, Florida while awaiting transport to Cuba during the Spanish-American War. Artist Jackson Walker has captured the image of Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders on horseback in Tampa in 1898 in an oil painting that is part of the legendary Florida series. Jackson Walker's varied career includes two combat tours in Vietnam with the U.S. Army, work in graphic design and advertising, and he spent some time as a singer-songwriter. Jackson Walker's lifelong love, though, is oil painting. That started uh, a long time ago. It, uh, it developed from uh, just a young kid. Uh, I was the one who always drew pictures, and that evolved into bigger and better things. I wanted to try oil paints as a very young guy uh, and struggle with it. Uh, all of my life, uh, in fits and, and finishes, uh, my career would steadily go forth, but always had to depend on other means until I came up to Orlando about uh, 18 years ago. And with that move, I decided that I would try painting full-time and see how that would go. And luckily, it, it went fairly well with the help of my wife and, and the two of us working together. Uh, I could pursue my career full-time, and we still had uh, the bills paid and, and the house uh, uh, over our head. So 
it gave me a chance to really break loose and, and spend all of my time uh, pursuing paintings. And about that same time, I'd reached the level uh, that I thought I would attempt something really grand. And that was the beginning of the Legendary Florida series. Jackson Walker is a native Floridian. He was born in Panama City, raised in Stewart, and now lives in Orlando. His studio is in DeLand. Walker says living in Florida all his life helped to spark his interest in documenting Florida history. I learned how to paint uh, enough to where I could actually uh, not be ashamed of what I painted. It, it, I felt like I'd made some progress. And uh, another artist that I knew who, who was, uh, you know, a mentor of mine uh, told me a long time ago, he says, paint what you know, you know. Uh, and that kind of made sense to me after a long time that I, I tried painting all these other things uh, and they were okay but it just didn't click it was just you know tasks and then I got to thinking uh, about Florida and my own my own family's history and it just kind of dawned on me well that's what you know that's where you live that's who you are most of Jackson Walker's legendary Florida series is on display in the historic Volusia County Courthouse in DeLand but some paintings are on display in Washington DC Tallahassee and Orlando Walker says while he thought he was familiar with Florida history when he started painting this series, while doing research, he learned that there was much he didn't know. Nobody had really a approached the idea of uh, actually producing a collection of Florida history. A lot of people have done Florida historical paintings in the past, but I wanted to do an entire uh, project of nothing but recovering and portraying in uh, nice big works uh, the history of Florida, the instances and the personalities that have made this state uh, what it is and, and how it got to be what it is. So this is the kind of thing that I, I devoted my time to, plus the just the, the, the landscape, the, the beauty of Florida came through with that. So I, I got everything I wanted out of being an artist by just tuning into my Florida roots and and discovering the history and and hopefully retaining some of the history that may get lost. In 2004, the Museum of Florida Art purchased the entire legendary Florida series and Jackson Walker serves as their artist in residence. He gives lectures to all age groups and participates in educational outreach programs. Back when we had a group of paintings, uh, uh, we I took it on tour myself. Uh, and went to a lot of different venues and it seemed to be a pretty good show and in that circuit uh, some four or five years ago I happened to get an invitation from what was then the DeLand Museum of Art and is now the Museum of Florida Art uh, came to me and uh, they had seen some some examples and wanted to know if I would exhibit there and I was certainly glad to do that and when they saw the collection uh, the, the uh, museum decided that they would like to purchase a collection and have it in their permanent collection. So we worked out a deal on that, and uh, they are now displayed in the old courthouse right here in DeLand. And uh, so since then, they we've had a partnership where uh, I, I help them promote and create new works and, and basically be sort of a... Uh, 
ambassador of goodwill when it comes to legendary Florida, which is, is a joy. The paintings in Jackson Walker's legendary Florida series cover a variety of periods in Florida history and depict diverse subject matter, from Seminole Chief Osceola being taken captive, to Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders in Tampa, to Ma Barker and her gangster family shooting it out with the feds. The, the concept was to do Florida history, uh, but I didn't want to do the most obvious, you know, postulate on, you know, that'll come in its own time. But I, I was fascinated by all of the, the surprising information that I got on, on some of the, the people and, and the things that did happen here. Uh, some of them are family stories, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Ma Barker uh, painting that you mentioned uh, is one uh, I included because that was an old family story. My father, uh, as a young man, happened to witness that, and it was always a family story about the day he saw Ma Barker shoot out, you know. And I, I kind of like the idea of the lesser known. I had, you know, when I started studying or restudying my Florida history, uh, I, I was totally surprised that Francis Drake, you know, the famous uh, privateer, had was anywhere near Florida. I mean, you think of him on the high seas or in, in Elizabeth's court, and that just struck me. I said, you know, I bet there's just thousands of stories that are just maybe slipping away and nobody will ever realize. And so I tried to seek out some of the more interesting stories. The There was the uh, one about the uh, U-123, which was a German submarine. Uh, a, a wonderful story about not not so much the attack on the Gulf of America and that, but what happened after that and what happened after the war is a is a really magnificent story between uh, the city of Jacksonville and and the uh, commander of that particular submarine. Uh, some of the others, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders in Tampa, is a magnificent story. It's it's a it's a beautiful painting. I mean, it just kind of laid itself out for me, you know. And, uh, some of them were more difficult than others, uh, be because of the research and 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 the uh, size, of course. But I, it's it's always a, a matter of trying to research every little detail. Uh, so a lot of the stories are are good stories, and I've tried as as humanly possible to recover these instances in these in these places and times as accurately and as honestly so it is a valid uh, effort not just a, an entertaining picture show while researching florida history walker seeks out other images his chief osceola for example bears a striking resemblance to george catlin's famous portrait and both artists probably used the same source on the osceola painting i read an account in in a book journey into wilderness i believe that's the title uh uh, it, who was, it was written by a surgeon that served with the Army during the uh, uh, Second Seminole War. And he happened to be in St. Augustine the day this incident of the capture happened. And he took the time to write in his journal uh, what he was observing. And what he was observing and describing was uh, Osceola being marched to the Castillo to be imprisoned. And he, it was wonderful because he put so much detail into it. And, of course, Osceola is an iconic figure. Uh, and I thought, well, how can I make Osceola look like Osceola but not as a rubber stamp Osceola? So going by uh, a lot of the description of him from Dr. Mott, uh, I went to the Museum of uh, Natural History back when it was in Gainesville in the old building, and they had a death mask of Osceola. And some of, the, some of his... Uh, 
his his dress and uh, artifacts, and that gave me a foundation. At least I had a real face, if you will, to to work from. And there was just several details, not only with Osceola, but about uh, some of the other characters that are in there, uh, were drawn from uh, depictions that I'd seen in other places and just adapted them in, into my paintings. Jackson Walker adds one painting per year to the legendary Florida series, moving from one time period to another. I now have a list of uh, subject matter that just goes on and on. It seems like I'm finding more stories that just cry out to be uh, depicted. And I, I guess I'll be doing this the rest of my life because it certainly will take that kind of time. Uh, there's just so many that I just look at the list and uh, when I decide that um, it's time to start a new painting, I'll just pick one. You know, something that I think, oh, that would really be great. I can't wait to start on it. While Jackson Walker won't disclose what he is currently working on, his last completed painting was of John B. Stetson, founder of Stetson University in DeLand. The legendary Florida series is Walker's primary focus, although he does find time for some other projects. Legendary Florida is always in the works. Uh, I I have a couple of easels going at, at, at any given time. Uh, I do take in a commission now and then, usually, especially if it has to do with something fl Florida or something historical, uh, but is a private purchase. Uh, I can I can take that on and still work on Legendary Florida. I have other. Uh, things that I'm working on. I've got a couple of ideas for a book on Legendary Florida, a book on other parts of my art. I'm doing a lot of Florida uh, just landscapes and Seminole lifestyle just to fill out and, and uh, generally just uh, a, another portfolio of just Florida paintings. And uh, so I have two or three things going all the time, you know, so, uh, but i Primarily, I probably will, if I'm known at all, it will be best for the Legendary Florida collection. Jackson Walker's Legendary Florida series of oil paintings depicting scenes from Florida history is on display at the historic Volusia County Courthouse in DeLand, courtesy of the Museum of Florida Art. On Saturday, April 2nd, Jackson Walker will be showing selected works at the Library of Florida History in Cocoa. It will be a day celebrating Florida history through art and literature. At 2 o'clock on Saturday, April 2nd, John and Mary Lou Missile will discuss their new book, Hollow Victory, a novel of the Second Seminole War. Jackson Walker, who designed the cover of the book, will be on hand to offer his commentary and display his work into the evening. That's a day celebrating Florida history through art and literature, Saturday, April 2nd, from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information, visit our website at myfloridahistory.org. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. In 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon landed on Florida's shore, beginning a cultural relationship between Spain and Florida that will be commemorated throughout the state on its 500th anniversary in 2013. This moment in Florida history features historian James Cusick. One of Florida's most famous shipwrecks was the wreck of the Reformation near Jupiter Inlet in 1696. The English crew and passengers and the slaves who were on board were stranded in the territory of the Hobe and Ais Indians. Since these Native American groups were allies of the Spanish, the castaways decided to masquerade as survivors from a Spanish ship. They asked for help to get to St. Augustine 
230 miles to the north. One of the castaways, Jonathan Dickinson, later published a book about the dangers they endured. It took nine weeks to reach St. Augustine. Dickinson's book, still in print, has been called the first American adventure story. Dickinson, his wife, and infant daughter all survived and traveled to their original destination, Pennsylvania. There, Dickinson is famous for another reason. He became the mayor of Philadelphia. University of Florida historian, James Cusick. This moment in Florida history was created and produced by the Florida Humanities Council with funds from the Florida Department of State Division of Cultural Affairs, commemorating 500 years of Spanish history and culture in Florida. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. While traveling in Florida in 1865, botanist William Bartram wrote, We now come to plenty of the tree palmetto, which the inhabitants call cabbage tree, and is much eaten raw and boiled. In his 1942 book, Palmetto Country, now published by the Florida Historical Society Press, Stetson Kennedy also describes the cracker delicacy swamp cabbage. Janie Gould has more. Many Floridians used to love a boiled delicacy known as swamp cabbage, the tasty interior of the cabbage palm. It was hard to get to, but old-timers say it was well worth the effort. First, you had to chop down a cabbage palm and strip away all that tough bark. Then, you'd cut up the interior, known as the cabbage, and cook it. Duart Howard, an 84-year-old native of Indian River County, used to hunt bears and wild hogs in what is now known as Vero's Central Beach area. He also took to the woods in search of cabbage palms and never had to look far to find them. Of course, they were plentiful. I mean, everywhere. Is that something you had maybe once a week, swamp cabbage? Oh, no, not all, that often. Uh, yeah, usually just <clears throat> as a special occasion. It's a lot of hard, hard work getting those things. A bear can get those things with his hands. A bear can get one by himself. Have you seen a bear do that? No, but I've heard of it. I think that's gospel, that's true. So they do it with their claws, right? They yeah. just tear the tree apart. Well, no wonder there are a lot of bears around here. They had plenty to eat, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Did the hogs eat swamp cabbage, too? Did they get no, into that? No, They mostly just eat cabbage roots and stuff like that. Anything they root for, you know. You ate swamp cabbage with mullet and grits? That was delicious. Yeah, swamp cabbage and grits and hush puppies. And fried mullet or catfish? But and catfish, either one. Then take the grease and pour it on top of the grits, and you've got a meal. Some people call it heart of palm, but a true Florida cracker knows it as swamp cabbage, oh, right? You can buy it in the store. Canned. Yeah, hard palm, but it's no good. You've tried it? Yeah. Not the same? Uh-uh. When was the last time you had a real swamp cabbage? Oh, it's been about a year. Down at the railroad station, the last time I had any. I cooked some of them a couple of times. 
for a pioneer dinner? Yeah. Where do you get the uh, cabbage these days? You have to really look for them. Usually down 27th Avenue, down in Martin County, on both sides of the road, there's, there's a lot of cabbage there. They're about 8 or 10 foot tall. They're easy to get to. I love it. But you got to cook it right. you got to put just the right bacon. Okeechobee, a lot of people sell it from over there. You can buy it. The cabbage? Yeah. Oh, you can? Yeah. Find the right places. Have you cooked it at home in a while? A long time. It's been a long time since I had any. Any of the real thing? Yeah. But it is delicious. I'd rather have that than anything. It's great stuff. Who taught you how to prepare it? Your mother? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd say. Well, there wasn't no preparing to it. Just go out there and cut it and, you know, and watch her cut it up. So there wasn't much to it. There are a lot of people around here who might not have ever tried swamp cabbage. They may oh. not have even heard of it. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of people. Went down to the railroad station there. They were charging a dollar for a little cup of it. Fundraiser. Fundraiser, yeah. Some of it I wouldn't even meet. Stuart Howard is a retired maintenance engineer with the State Department of Transportation. His grandfather, John Henry Howard, settled in Indian River County in 1915. He chartered a train to move his large family, along with two sawmills, assorted farm equipment, and livestock down from Tennessee. Janie Gould from WQCS prepared that report. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. One of Florida's largest ethnic groups is its Jewish population, numbering over 800,000 statewide. Although many people still think of them as transplanted New Yorkers living in Miami Beach, research shows that Jews are among Florida's earliest settlers. Bill Dudley reports on a publication outlining an important part of Florida's ethnic heritage. We have now identified over a hundred families that have been in Florida over a hundred years. I found things like that so exciting. Marcia Zarevitz is director of the Sanford L. Ziff Jewish Museum of Florida on Miami's South Beach. In the early 1990s, she spent six years traveling around the state doing research for Mosaic, a project to document the Jewish experience in Florida. This is what I think is so surprising, the fact that Florida hosts the third largest Jewish community in the nation, and no one had stopped to look back and say, where have we come from? How long have we been here? What have we done to contribute to the development of the state of Florida? And how have we maintained our traditions over the years? So this is basically what we were looking for. Now much of the work done by Zarevitz and others has been used to create the Florida Jewish Heritage Trail, one in a series of guidebooks to historic sites around the state. For Jews, it's a very important thing to know that there's been a Jewish presence in Florida for over 200 years, and Jews have been involved in 
many communities throughout the state have been in many fields, in agriculture, in politics, and so forth. Rachel Heimovics was hired to write the text for the book, published in fall of 2000. For non-Jews, it's important to understand that Jews have made a contribution throughout the state. Many of the older histories do not have mention of of Jewish contributions or other ethnic groups. Although many now believe groups of conversos or secret Jews were part of the early landings by Columbus and other Europeans, documentation exists that Jews did come to Florida a few centuries later. Historian Samuel Proctor. The stereotype is that Jews are Johnny-come-latelys, particularly in the South, but Jews have lived in Florida since the 1760s. In 1763, there was, of course, a major exchange of real estate of properties throughout the Western Hemisphere. As Britain defeated Spain in a war, Florida was given to the British, taken away from the Spanish in exchange for rights to Cuba. Louisiana, which was owned by the French, was given to the Spanish. So the Jews that were living in New Orleans, for example, knew they were going to have to leave. So three Jews, we know them by name, we know them from land deeds, did come into Pensacola in 1763, bought land, and started business there. So that is the beginning of Florida Jewish history as we know it today. Florida's most famous 19th century Jew was David Levy Uli, the son of Moses Levy, an early developer. He was the first Jew to serve in the Territorial Council. In 1841, he was named Territorial Delegate to Congress. And while he was there, he played the major role in bringing Florida into the Union as the 27th state, which occurred in March of 1845. The legislature appointed him in recognition of what he had done for the territory. They appointed him as the first United States senator. David Levy Uli then becomes the first Jewish senator from Florida and the first Jew to serve in the United States Senate. The ruins of Uli's sugar plantation is just one of the scores of sites listed by location in the guidebook. There are buildings, cemeteries, temples, memorials, even restaurants like Wolfie's Deli on Miami Beach. There's the Gamble Mansion near Sarasota, the hiding place for Confederate Secretary of State Judah Benjamin after the Civil War. The Jacksonville City Hall, originally the Cohen Brothers Department Store, the largest in the Southeast when it was built in 1912. The book also contains sidebars pointing to individuals and families, many interrelated, that played a role in building the state. And in Florida, families often were the link from one community to another. And not only a network between the Jewish communities in Florida, but in many cases, Jewish communities elsewhere. Florida's Jews were farmers, store owners, cattlemen, builders, politicians, and philanthropists. They made their homes not only in big cities, but smaller towns like Palatka, Cedar Key, Live Oak, and Fort Myers, named after Colonel Abraham Myers, a veteran of the Second Seminole War. Rachel Heimovics hopes the information in this book will give Floridians a new sense of pride in their shared heritage. I think that people who live in Florida will gain a lot of information and hopefully they'll use it for their own communities and when they travel and visitors when they come will be able to use it to enrich their experiences. Jews, as I've said sometimes in my public presentations, the Jews came to Florida to make their homes here They liked what they saw. They established themselves. They integrated themselves into the community. They saw this was a 
good place to live, and they enjoyed themselves and made a contribution to the welfare of the communities. The book is The Florida Jewish Heritage Trail, published by the State Division of Historical Resources. I'm Bill Dudley. With funding from the Florida Department of State Division of Cultural Affairs, this report was produced by the Florida Humanities Council. You've been listening to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. You can also join us on Facebook at Florida Historical Society and follow us on Twitter at MyFLHistory. Don't forget to join us at the Library of Florida History in Cocoa on Saturday, April 2nd from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. for a celebration of Florida history through art and literature. I'll see you there. If you're going to be closer to Old Town and Fernandina on Saturday, April 2nd, be sure to stop by to help them celebrate their bicentennial. There will be a cemetery tour, historic home tours, historic reenactors, and much more. That's the Old Fernandina Bicentennial Celebration, Saturday, April 2nd. Have a great week. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Florida Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It's also made possible in part by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and by the Brevard County Board of Commissioners through the Brevard Cultural Alliance, Incorporated.